the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide, this time round with your friend and mine, everybody's favourite educator of the young, it's Max Hartington. Hello Danny, good to be back on a sunny September afternoon, which is kind of surprising. Well it's not really, it's a podcast, this could be at any time of day or night, and when people are listening to this it might be raining and now they'll hate you. Uh, maybe just rubbing it in their faces. Yeah, exactly, so you know, hey, well, well done. Nice bit of rain, best weather to be watching a film. So. Yeah, okay. Um, now I'm, uh, I'm currently struggling here in the studio, oh there you go, that might be better actually, I'm struggling in the studio because the sun is shining right in my eyes so after you rubbing it in well, I'm doing that as well I just so, like to say because a, a podcast is an audio medium uh, Danny has just lowered his chair and fallen to the floor it's yeah, quite funny but the sun's now not in my eyes anymore so I'm, I'm going to stay down here for a while brilliant um, yeah I'll bring the mic with me and uh, yeah what can possibly go wrong Great. Uh, we just did start a slapstick uh, more you know, video podcast instead yeah. of this, right? But I did mean to lower it. Admittedly, not as quickly as it just shot down, but I did. It did. I did mean for it, it was, to go down. It was entertainingly funny. So, well, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what we do on the film guide, aside from seemingly chat a load of nonsense we look at uh, max's choice of the films to watch on uk free to air tv for the forthcoming week we will also uh, look at uh, new releases on streaming platforms this week on netflix also in the uh, cinema as well and we have another uh, pick for max's action films where these are action films that take it to the max i have to turn your mic down a little bit i was going to say it's getting louder every single time yeah. And now I've embarrassed myself. The Max. Oh, no, I just said it manually. The Max. Yeah, it's worth it, wasn't it? So anyway, uh, yeah, so we've got all of that. But first, let's look at what's on in the cinemas. And uh, and first up on the on the cinemas this time around, uh, we have... Uh, ah, yes, tell us about our first film, because you and I are fans of this director and of this series of films. Coming to the cinema this Friday, you can go and see Clerks 3, the latest by Kevin Smith. Uh, this tells the story of a, a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of losers who basically work in a convenience store who suffer from the problem of every day being incredibly boring. Uh, this is the third in the series. Uh, when uh, recurring character Randall suffers from a heart attack, he decides that his calling is to make an indie movie about the place they work in. So Clerks 3 is a film that's telling the story of Clerks 1, the production of Clerks 1, from what I can tell. Yeah, so um, with with Clerks, so the, the, we should say the film is made, it's written by and directed by Kevin Smith. Yes, and, and starring, and 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 he's one of the one of the stars of it as well. Um, uh, and he plays a silent Bob. Yeah, and and the this series of films, it's part of what's known as the View Askew universe. Yes, yeah, and and all of these um, Kevin Smith films have all appear in the same. They're all set in the same universe. Sometimes characters overlap. Sometimes storylines almost kind of carry on from one to the next. Sometimes there's very little connecting them, but there will be a connection somewhere. Normally the connection is Jay and Silent Bob, though. Who just sort of wandering in the middle of a scene? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that, that's great um, characters. Yeah. Uh, so the the original um, Clerks film was uh, I keep wanting to call it Clerks because that's Clarks. how we'd say that word in this country, yeah. but, it's, but they call it Clerks. And the original Clerks was from nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. So so twenty eight years ago. And uh, and then then they did a sequel back in two thousand and six. Yeah, Clerks two. Yeah, well done. And that and now there's Clerks <laughs> three. Yeah. 
and uh, and it's yes, it, it's interesting as well because it is largely the exact same cast, and they've had other um, collaborators that they've worked with, uh, inc- who've gone on to sort of kind of bigger things, including. Yeah. Ben Affleck None and other. Matt Damon. Yeah, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon listed at the top of the cast in here, but it means they're going to be making some sort of difference. I mean, Ben Affleck plays about, I want to say he plays about three characters inside the, the Viewers Q universe, doesn't he? Yes, because he's played a version of himself yeah. and he's played one or two other characters in yeah. this universe. And I think there was one of the movies where two of his characters coincided in some way or other or, or if they weren't in the same scene they were both in the I'm same sure movie. They definitely make reference to it, don't they? They, yeah. they? they draw attention to the fact that Ben Affleck is playing three different people yeah one of which is actually a version of himself um <laughs> but uh, but yes uh, and and other other people as well that have been contributors uh, rosario dawson i think has been in many of these films mm. uh and and yes uh, sarah shulgeller Geller. she's in it this time around yeah. as well. i don't know she i can't i don't recall her being I in it before made an appearance in clerks too justin long was in clerks too i believe as well okay uh, yes, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm now looking up Sarah Michelle Gellar because you know why not? Um, but I don't recall her Any being in. <laughs> so you think she was in Clerks? Clerks too? I want to say. Yeah, I don't. Do you want to put any money on that? Oh, let's. Well, I'm not, I'm not feeling so confident now. You've got the Google up. <laughs> I don't believe she was. Uh, maybe I'm just not. I've outed myself as not being as big enough Kevin Smith fan as I said I was. Yeah, m- maybe. Saying I- that, I feel like I've seen most films inside this universe so i know i will get to this one eventually yeah okay um so for those who've never seen these films before what what what's what's sort of the premise really so i mean clerks was a very low budget black and white almost documentary style film yeah where they were just sort of two guys who worked in a dead-end convenience store in the middle of nowhere were just sort of chatting and then it was some of the characters that came in and out wasn't it it's one of those sort of dry comedy indie films isn't it i believe i want to say the original clerks is quite significant because it started up fox searchlight or something like uh, uh, working with matt damon okay matt damon uh clerks one is quite significant because it it was involved with the initial creation of fox searchlight which was you know sort of fox's mean to get out to sort of indie directors and give people you know a set amount of money give them a camera essentially in a set and just let them sort of go crazy okay so this is quite quite a nice sort of take on them it's very the the film is carried by the dialogue because it's a bit more of a bigger budget once we get to clerks three there can be more spoofy things or you know bigger budget and crazy things can happen but at the end of the day it's about two people who work in a in what they call an america convenience store and just sort of talk about old movies and that's all they that's all they really do okay um yeah and 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 it's just the the various characters that come along the way the the other the other unique thing about this series is that they're all set in new jersey all uh, in New Jersey. They're all in New Jersey in some way or other, uh, or in different parts of New Jersey. And there's this is the ninth film of the series. The ninth. Um, so there was Clerks. There was Malrat, Malrats. Malrats. Is that what you call it? Yeah, the ki- kids who hung around in yeah. a shopping mall. Um, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and the ninth one, Clerks 3. Ah, so th- and there is a tenth one on its way, Twilight of the Malrats. Twilight of the Moor uh, Rats, Mal Rats? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Moor Rats, more rats. But I think okay. I've, uh, at this point my, my dialect has just sort of been horribly influenced by watching too no, many As soon American as I start films. thinking about it, I don't, I don't, you know, it never works anymore. But there have also been other films where I believe that um, Jane, Silent Bob have appeared. Um, yeah. So I think they were in Scream 3. Uh, really? The characters were in, in Scream 3. Uh, and they've they've appeared in one or two others as well. Um, and uh, I think Zach and Miri make a porno has a oh. has a connection, although also directed by Kevin Smith. 
Oh, of course. Oh, so he had to make a reference in there as well then. So it's not technically, but sort of uh, a skew of the viewer skew universe, if you will. Yeah. Anyway, Clerks 3, uh, it's it's going to have a limited appeal because it's got a very dedicated but yeah. small following. If you think, I think you, you might have to come with a bit of knowledge beforehand, but if you want something that's just going to be very snappy dialogue, very sort of uh, dry humour, some really bizarre characters... Uh, and just a good time. Uh, give this one a try. Maybe give Clerks one a watch first so you know what you're getting into. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you and I are quite excited about going to see this. Yeah. We're, 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 we're up for this one. Um, whether we'll, we'll know enough be... of the references. Yeah. So if you go to a cinema, you'll probably find the two of us there at least. But maybe, yes. What an invitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan and Silent Max. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's Clerks 3. Uh, the other, well, there's two other films to talk about that are out in the cinema. At present, we have Moon Age Daydream. Moonish Daydream is a cinematic odyssey exploring David Bowie's... Uh, Bowie? Bowie? I've always checked this one beforehand. David Bowie. David Bowie's creative and musical journey from visionary filmmaker Brett Morgan and sanctioned by the Bowie estate. So this uh, film is sort of taking uh, the last sort of tours that uh, Bowie went on and sort of mashing it all into a story about him, his sort of influence on the music industry, some people saying just uh, about his character. But uh, already having seen the trailer for it, it's just got... What we do expect from a Bowie film, it's got these insane visuals. The colour's going to be popping the whole way through. We're going to get, get sort of behind the action. Okay. A cinematic odyssey exploring David Bowie's creative and musical journey. A cinematic space odyssey, if you will. Okay. Uh, so this is a music documentary. In case yeah. you're thinking this is going to be a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man, it's, no. not, it's not that kind of uh, look at, at Bowie's life. This is actually yeah. using a, a archive footage. Yeah. Uh, possibly some maybe rarely seen archive footage in there somewhere uh, but but yes this is this is all a film exploring David Bowie's creative and musical journey and then our final film uh, we're going to talk about is Ticket to Paradise George Clooney and Julia Roberts star as a divorced couple that team up and travel to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they think they made 25 years ago uh, American uh, American comedy about uh, divorced parents who were forced to get back together to save their daughter uh let, let me guess, along the way, that so they're trying to stop them from getting married because they got married too young and it was a mistake, and maybe along the way they fall in love. Maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe yeah. maybe Bali is just that nice that it will uh, make them consider their actions. But yeah. nice to see uh, Julie Roberts and George, George Clooney together again. They're not t- they're not tired of each other yet after all the Oceans films. Well, I think... Or Gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I th- Gravity? Was that not, not Sandra Bullock? Yeah. Oh, oh. I've mixed up my my book and my oh big faux pas there. But she but but uh, she was in the oceans film. So, that's what, that's and my mistake. Sandra Bullock was also in in an oceans film, wasn't yeah. she? The brother of what are you doing that? I would say that's just embarrassing <laughs> myself. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, it's what you're here for. So, um, but but this is the sort of there's been loads of examples of this, but uh, an average film with perhaps a different. You know, spin. Well, yeah. So this kind of thing has been done a hundred times before, yeah. and and often is mediocre. Yeah. But sometimes you get a, a well used plot put in some pretty good cast, and mm. you get a better than you should get movie. I, I definitely will give just having George Clooney and Julia Roberts to be fair in something already sort of uh, bigs up the quality of it to me. Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember I, I saw not that long ago um, for a, a second time. Uh, and I now forget the name of the film, What Lies Beneath, with oh. Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's a kind of a horror movie that has been done a million times before, but those two starring in it elevated it, and it was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Oh. Who, and, and so suddenly when you put those things together, this was an exceptional movie. But in someone else's hands, the same script with different actors, with lesser actors, would have just been a very mediocre straight-to-DVD film. Yeah. 
So um, I think uh, I think you know there's there's every chance that this might be better. In terms than of it recommending appears. it for people, uh, if you're looking for something by the writer of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and the best exotic oh, Marigold Hotel, then you see, this film's for you. You've, you've, <laughs> I've just wow. unsold Danny. You've just you've you've just sold. Uh, yeah, you you just closed the doors on that one, haven't you? But I've opened a window for somebody else. Yeah, but but George Clooney's interesting because w- arguably one of the biggest film stars of the moment. Yeah, in many ways, or a very legendary figure. It's a household name. Yeah. Uh, yet he hasn't done many films in the last 10 years. I'm just looking at this list now. It's a very short list. Uh, From 2010, he's done The American, The Ides of March, The Descendants, which is, I think, what he won an Oscar for. You know, I was actually going to mention how how good The Descendants was. Yeah. Uh, He did uh, Gravity, very briefly. Spoiler. The Monuments Men. Yes. With... um, Can't remember any of the names. I know Tom, Tom Hanks was in that one, wasn't he? No. Oh, okay. Uh, But... John Goodman. There we go. That's a name that's in there. Uh, yes, yes, I'll give you that one. Yeah, Got well it. done. Uh, Matt Damon, Bill Murray uh, was Bill in there. Mu- Did I really just mix up Bill Murray and Tom Hanks? It no. seems like it. A little I'm, bit. I'm, not, I'm having a face blindness day. Yeah, and a name blindness day. Okay, and it also had Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey. Oh, of course, our, our you know our absolute favourite one. Yeah, um, he also Big did Downton Abbey podcast over here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There's also Tomorrowland, Hail Caesar, Money Monster, The Midnight Sky. Mm. And that's that's actually quite a short list of for ten years movies for ten years for somebody who is still one of the biggest mm. film stars around. Lots of coffee adverts as well, though. Can't forget that <laughs> he's flogging that coffee, <laughs> coffee, isn't he? Um, but yeah, um, interesting. I saw, I saw an interview with him once where he kind of said that he he had a very good relationship with Hollywood, where he makes a movie for them and then they they let him make a movie for himself oh. and so he he, he created so he said he did like um, Ocean's 12 which was purely because he was contracted yeah. to but then he was allowed to make Good Night and Good Luck which was a, a, a very powerful film that he directed well uh, I think we can leave it up to the, uh, the the viewer to decide whether this film is one that uh, Clooney wanted to make or if Hollywood made him make it <laughs> which side of the deal is this one we, we shall see but anyway that's, uh, that's the third film out this week in the cinemas that is the film Ticket to Paradise Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Let's look at uh, new releases on the streaming services and on Netflix we have coming out on I believe the 16th of September Do Revenge. Uh, Do Revenge is a dark teen comedy about Drea at the peak of her high school powers. Uh, it's basically uh, Drea, one of the main characters, one of the. Just get on with it, Max. I'm not cutting this. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> doing my best. I told you I've got to be out of here in a hurry. You said quickly. we would do it with one take. Right, let's try it again. No, just carry on. I'm going for it. Right. Uh, this is a dark teenage. You said comedy. that. This is a dark teenage said comedy that. about Drea, Thank who you. is uh, the, sort of the you know the queen bee at the high school. Everybody loves her until her sex tape gets leaked to the whole school, seemingly by her boyfriend and king of the school, Max. 
Great name. Uh, <laughs> is it? She has to team up with Eleanor, an awkward new transfer student who's angered to find out that she now has to go to school with her old bully. So they decide that to deal with the problems and the bad place they've been put into, they make a little deal akin to Hitchcock, uh, Strangers on a Train, where they decide to resolve each other's problems. As you can imagine, it doesn't go very well. Lots of nasty things are going to happen to these people. Okay. Um, so what, what's your... My, fir- my very first take on this is that they all look a little bit old to be playing high school kids. Yeah, it seems like they've got... Uh, the only... The, the big cast in this one is Maya Hawke, is, uh, Maya Hawke, who's now got Stranger Things money behind her, so... Well, not only that, but she's also got fairly famous parents. Oh, that as well, of course. Ethan Hawke and... Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, yeah. Um, that she's an actress. I, I know, I, I'm aware of Uma Thurman. I've, okay. I've seen a Tarantino film. <laughs> uh, but it's like like the star of this, um, Camilla Mendes, is 28. Yeah. I wonder, uh, and also it's got Game of Thrones Sophie Turner in it and she's got to be about 24, 25 yeah. I wonder if the goal is to sort of they can pull that sort of oh it's actually a self-aware she, she's 28 yeah. as well I wonder if it's the sort of thing where they can pretend they're being self-aware by casting uh, older actors to play teenagers and then be like oh no it's just so that we can well in, in fairness to, to, to Ms Hawke she's playing a teenager in Stranger Things as well and mm. so yeah um, she's, she's carving out a career of playing a teenager when she's in her 20s but in in a way, that's nothing new. If you ever watch Greece, they're all supposed to be sort of seventeen years old, aren't they? They do not look seventeen. No, I mean Olivia Newton-John. I think was nearly thirty when she made Greece, <laughs> and and if you if you'd remember it, but there was a series called Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero, which was went, on back in the nineties, yeah. and then there was a, a a reboot or something, which I think might have been some continuation thing more recently. Yeah. But that all those teenagers in that were all pushing thirty. So yeah, it's not a new thing really. Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer some of those oh, yeah. actors were pushing 30 as well Sarah Michelle Gellar making the second appearance in this podcast <laughs> I think she was actually one of the younger ones but she was still way older than the character yeah. she was playing which is always a dilemma but anyway um, so yeah I mean this I know what, what, what's your, what's your take on this there'll be an audience for this one I, like, I, I feel like it's going for a very oh, will you be in that audience Max of course I'm a big fan of, uh, Max, do not lie to the audience. Come on, will you be in this audience for that? Probably movie? not. Probably not. That's it, what the. It, 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 I'm very looking. Having watched the trailer, I think it has a very interesting art style going on. I wonder if the whole film can sort of carry on this sort of pastel colours and this sort of over the top violence thing that's implied. But um, you'll have to see. Okay, so it is a comedy. Just to stress that bit of it, uh, it's um, doesn't say here what certification it is. I don't know if you have that on your screen. Uh, I believe it's a fifteen. Okay, uh, so but but so yes, yeah, so a, a comedy probably aimed at younger people. Yeah, going for the teens, teens and probably early. 20s i suppose is probably the thing yeah um, Pe- maybe people who are watching stranger things maybe they like the, the the school side of it more than the sort of the big sci-fi 80s reference part of it yeah okay so this is modern day setting yeah yeah not just to make clear because you mentioned stranger things there don't go into Dropping it expecting it to be a an 80s thing that's horror this is this is modern day and uh yeah it 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 has a look about it like a disney tv movie yeah but uh, but it's not. It's straight to Netflix. So that and it does say all over the post that a Netflix film, which is code for straight to DVD. Yeah. <laughs> we pick this one up. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's um, that's do revenge. The film guide with Max Hartington, part of the Sylvanas podcast with Danny Smith. We've reached that point in the show where it's time for another edition of Max's action films. This is where Max takes action films that take it to the max. 
So uh, this time round, sigh that time. Yeah. Now you 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 seem to be at your happiest with films from. It's not even one decade as such. It's kind of from 1986, 87 through to about 1996 or seven. So about, there's a 10 year period there, yeah. mid 80s to mid 90s. And it seems that you, you cannot be happier than when you're enjoying an action film from that, it's from that re- range. It's a really good window, isn't it? I think around this time, around that period, we've got the sort of the action actors who, the stars you really want to see doing all the stuff. We've got our Bruce Willis's, we're seeing more of our, you know, Stallone is you know making more appearances. Mel Gibson is still, you know, doing his part, like all of those actors. And funnily enough, uh, one of those is about to make his first appearance in the uh, action film area because we're talking today about The Rock from 1996 starring none other than the only Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I can't believe it took him this long to get on here, but we, you know, we had to wait and we had to bide our time. But Nick Cage is here in The Rock, directed by another action staple, Michael Bay. Yeah, I mean, Michael Bay just loves helicopters, slow-mo and big explosions, yeah. doesn't he? And 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 yeah. He, Do you know what this film has in it? It has all of that. Doesn't it's it? got all of that and more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'm not taking anything away from you here, Max. This is a great, great yeah. film because you've missed out the headlining star of this movie because Nicolas Cage had second billing. Yeah, it Two. was Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage breaking into Alcatraz. Yeah, one of the things that was particularly uh, sort of exciting for me and I'm sure for many others was Connery talked this up in interviews saying that he played this part imagining this was James Bond mm. that the part he played was an old an old British Secret Service agent yes, yeah. who'd been incarcerated for a very long amount of time yeah. and was brought back for a, for a special mission the one man to break out of Alcatraz yeah yeah, and he was a, a former British Secret Service agent and yeah. in his head he was playing his version of James Bond I'd choose that yeah, I definitely and when you watch with it with that in mind, it's a great film. Well, you know what? I need I need an excuse to rewatch it, so that will be my excuse to go in assuming that Sean Connery is playing James Bond. But he plays a really fantastic role in this. Him and Nicolas Cage. Uh, Nicolas Cage playing more of the reserved role because Nicolas Cage is playing a chemist who is hired to bring who is hired to go to Alcatraz to chase down a rogue uh, military general played by none other than Ed Harris. As yeah, well. another great actor as well, doing doing something really good in this kind of role. Um, yeah, no, he he's he's he is great too. Uh, John Spencer, who will be known to many fans of the West Wing as the chief of staff, mm. he was in this a, a good smaller but supporting role. Yeah. Uh, it 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 had it, it had so much good going for it. Uh, also in there, um, you had Michael Bean, who yeah. was the guy who was in he. he Massive star in the early 80s and then sort of fizzled a little bit because he was the, the main actor in Terminator yeah. and he was the main actor in Aliens. Yeah. Uh, and and then, yeah, now he, he's here as well in a supporting role. He's, a, he's role. a good supporting role. He plays the sort of, uh, again, he's play, playing to his role in Aliens. He's sort of a, well, that's our connection to our last uh, film podcast, isn't it? But mm. he's playing a sort of a jarhead type who is, wants to rush in and deal with the terrorists in Alcatraz in his own way, not listening to the wiser character played by Sean Connery. Yeah. Imagine how that would play out for him. <laughs> and and also, yeah, Nicolas Cage was on a, on an absolute high at this point. You know, The Rock was got to be one of the biggest films of the year. It was a yeah. huge, huge hit. He followed it up with Con Air, another huge you phenomenal know, you hit. You know it was this close between deciding which one was going to go on this, this podcast as well. So... Yeah, and that was followed up by Face Off. Yeah, the the John Woo, John Travolta. Yeah. All three of those, all three of those were competing for this spot. Is the next uh, three months going to be Nicolas Cage films? Oh, spoiler alert: <laughs> Gone in sixty we're, seconds. We're entering the Cage era. Oh no, no. 
But uh, but yeah, so uh, you know, yeah, Nicholas Cage. He he plays a biochemist. To be fair, yes, you say yeah. a chemist, you imagine he's the guy you go to about your Veruca. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, he's there for your warheads. Right. Okay. Not your, warheads. Your warheads, not your warts. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, The Rock. Um, classic action film where they're breaking into Alcatraz Break prison into Alcatraz. and they need to get the one guy who broke out of Alcatraz to not Clint Eastwood different movie <laughs> no it was Sean Connery oh but it's I mean the action set pieces in this are just you know I can remember there's there's a ton of them this this film was just carried by set piece to set piece to set piece and it's just tension and then you know people going each other down explosions uh, do you remember when you first saw it oh, when did I first see this one this must have I think I, I want to say I saw it on TV this would be going back to 2009, I think. Okay. Long so a long time ago. after it came out. Then. Yeah, a long time. I, I, well, I mean, From 1996. Oh, so it's 13 film. years after. So that's a year older than me, this film is. <gasps> no. Ooh. You're born in 97. Yeah. There's something wrong with the world. <laughs> but, but don't you agree that you were born too late, that oh, all the yeah, best definitely. films came out before I, you I were? wish I could have snuck into a cinema to see The Rock when I was, you know, yeah. the, the age I saw it. Yeah, and and I think it's uh, I think it shows you something about your your age. If you say to somebody The Rock, do they think Dwayne Johnson or the Nicolas Cage film? Oh, honestly, yeah, long before his time. Well, maybe his WWE time, but long before, <laughs> long before uh, you know the, the same four films have been running through a forest wearing an open shirt <laughs> with a tiny little black dude from like well, cra- <laughs> cracking wise. <laughs> yeah, so hello, Kevin Hart. You know who you are anyway. Uh, of the podcast, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway that's the film the rock which is the latest uh entry for the feature that is max is action films because he takes his action films to the max just what the rock deserves hi i'm elspeth jackman inviting you to listen to my podcast one to one with elspeth Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. This is the part of the film guide where we look at Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We start with Friday the 16th of September, Great Movies, 9pm, American Gangster. This film, directed by Ridley Scott, tells the real-life story of a big crime boss, Frank Lucas, who's seeing an opportunity to start selling drugs in Manhattan, takes his chance to uh, make, basically make his way up the ranks. It sort of deals with his rise, his uh, increase in notoriety, and his eventual dealings with the law. Uh, really, really good film. And of course, portrayed by, I feel like he's appeared in the last couple of podcasts, Denzel Washington puts it, putting in a stellar performance in this one. Well, he's not the only person that makes a regular appearance yeah. in the podcast because the director you yeah. often pick as well, Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott. Yeah, he's always here. What a diverse director. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He really, he can do it all, can't he? Yeah. Well, maybe 
not make a good alien film anymore. But apart from that, he can. No, do... he's not very good at making alien sequels, but <laughs> but he, he's he's pretty good at making other films. Yeah, the thing the guy who did Alien and Blade Runner and um, Gla- Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, and and American Gangster. Yeah, uh, collaborating with his um, Gladiator co-star as well. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe Russell is the Crow. detective. Yeah, and Chiwetel Ejiofor is in there. Yeah, Josh Brolin. It's anyone this, else? This cast is stacked. Uh, Idris Elba as well. Makes an appearance. Okay. Idris Elba shows up as um, one of Frank Lucas's rivals, who he really is good at in this one, and sort of like psyched him out. Uh, yeah, and um, it's also got, um, in, in smaller roles, but you've got Armand Asante, who uh, is quite an acclaimed actor. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is in mm. there as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a packed cast. Uh, the script by uh, one of the script writers, Steve Zalian, who, who I think has worked on a lot of uh, movies over over time. I think he's quite yeah. an acclaimed uh, screenwriter. Yeah, he did The um, the, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and uh, Moneyball, uh, and he's done other films as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and the Irishman was him, you know, the big Netflix oh, course, movie, yeah. not too long ago. Um, but anyway, uh, so sort of same vibe, same same sort of vibe, isn't it? You know, rise and fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. very much so. Yeah, I, I think there's very much that there, this is there's this is a type of film, isn't it? There's very much that in, in a way, it's sort of like that Goodfellas, like you know, here's me, I'm a criminal, and I'm going to make my way up the ranks, and here's his Gangs of New York, movies. the writer did as well, ah. uh, and Mission Impossible, and um, Hannibal. And Schindler's List. Honestly, what a... So you know this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, so that's the writer, yeah. uh, Stephen Zalian. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, but yes, it's American Gangster is a good movie. Yeah. And, and Denzel Washington has never been more charismatic... Well, no, he's been charismatic loads of times. I was going to say, tra- but tra- also Training men- Day for his most charismatic. But- well, charismatic and menacing, which I guess you go to someone mm. like Training Day for the last... Because normally he plays the good guy. Yeah. In this, he's kind of an anti-hero, isn't yeah. he? Because he's like a... He's sort of a bad guy that you're kind of rooting for. Yeah. Because you want, you want to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's uh, American Gangster. Uh, that's on Friday the 16th of September, 9pm on Great Movies. Let's move to Saturday the 17th of September uh, on Film 4 at 9pm, Snatch. I've got to start this off. Danny, do you like Dags? What? Do you like Dags? <laughs> But have you seen this one or not? But <laughs> oh yes, I've only seen it recently. Really? Yeah. You haven't. Seen, you've only seen. Well, this is a fantastic one. Guy Ritchie. You, uh, of course, you meant their dogs, and that was the joke because no one could understand what Brad Pitt was yeah, saying, who had this um, Irish type accent going exactly on. Exactly that. Uh, Snatch is uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Just fantastic one. Uh, lots of different characters, all of them crossing over each other in the uh, sort of London uh, crime scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just it's. Just it's just an absolute delight to watch. Anytime I see this one on, uh, like I have seen this time, I will put this one on to watch it because okay. there are so many great scenes. Every single line of dialogue is fantastic, and every single uh, you know you'd think having Brad Pitt in a film would mean he'd sort of overshadow everyone, but you've got Jason Statham putting in Stephen Graham, who is an actor who I feel is getting bigger and bigger every single year. Yeah, well, it, it you know became to quite a lot of prominence with his, with a big role in Line of Duty. Yeah. Uh, he's done so many other things as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, I was going to say to you, you know, draw this out a bit. It because there's quite a cast and yeah. also the director's someone to mention I keep going yeah Vinnie Jones not the director yeah not not the director but Vinnie Jones stars starring as yet another massive character and directed by the Guy Ritchie yeah and some would say this is Guy Ritchie's best film and I'll be honest I'd agree with them it, I think I think this is his best film yes 
Possibly not his biggest film, but yeah, no. arguably his best. Yeah, but Brad Pitt's great, mm. and Brad Pitt's very, very good in a in a comedic role. And and you don't get the feeling that he's a big film star, and the others need no. to remember that he does seem like he's playing as part of an ensemble. Yeah. He plays it very well. Yeah, and and yes, um, as you mentioned there, uh, Jason Statham and and Jason Statham, who's collaborated on a lot of Guy Ritchie films, mm. and on most of them, he never does any action. Whereas he's known for being an action star. Yeah, uh, I think the most recent Guy Ritchie film he's done, it's an action role, but all the other ones including this it's not mm. uh, but uh, but yeah you've also got in there um, people like uh, Ewan Bremner who was in Chainspotting who, who has a part in this as well um, but but yeah oh, Benicio Del Toro I completely forgot Benicio Del Toro shows up in this one yeah and is this the one that has in it um, Frank Butcher from EastEnders yes I think it is we're both so saying that and, and now that was speedy through looking for it no um, well it might not be now, but yeah, Benicio del Toro, you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, no, Mike Reed is in Snatch. I, I yeah. was thinking, I was connecting who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For some reason, he's not in the he's not in the top listed of the cast, but he has a reasonably Maybe didn't like large Andy part in it. Much. Yeah. Um, but, but no, he's just fantastic. He's a menace, isn't he? Yeah. But but this is. Um, I do think this film has an acquired taste, and yeah. it isn't going to be to everyone's cup of tea. Guy Ritchie ty- seems to make an awful lot of like geezer movies. Yeah. yeah, a lot of geezers in it, isn't it? You know, a lot of geezers doing a bit, a bit something geezer a bit shady, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've all got they all got sawn-offs, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's kind of like a humorous version of the Sweeney. The, the, the in the seventies, the Sweeney was very much like that, but played it straight. And it was all sawn-offs and, and geezers and birds and going down a pub and having a having a punch up and, and doing over a bank and yeah, all that sort of thing. Whereas Guy Ritchie does it with a certain swagger and a style and, and a, a, a sense of humour to it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yes, yeah, so if you like his sort of thing, this is possibly the best example of his work. Yeah, definitely one to go for. That's Snatch. That's uh, on uh, Film 4, 9pm, Saturday the 17th of September. Let's move to Sunday the 18th of September on Five Star at 9pm, Contagion. Contagion tells a real, real-time real story about the events involving healthcare professionals, officials and everyday people sort of reacting as a pandemic uh, it sort of makes its way across the, across the world, basically. And everyone is racing for a chance to find a cure, protect the people they care. Um, lots, of, lots of people quote this as being a really sort of down-to-earth look at the, the process of dealing with a, a virus. And funnily enough... De- dealing with uh, the global pandemic. Global pandemic. And funnily enough, it's, uh, I think it's had a lot more attention in the past, the past few years, given our circumstances. Yes. But I saw this one when it, when it first came out. And I, it was, I was actually... Well, I mean, I was a teenager when it came out. And I was actually horrified about how, how gritty this one feels. So for the first part of the pandemic, this was the most watched film on Netflix. Really? Uh, because it spoke so clearly to what was going on in the world at the time of the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic starting. However, this film came out in 2011. This mm. is this is from quite a long time before that. So they had absolutely no knowledge of what was coming. This isn't something that's jumped on the bandwagon. Right. This is came way beforehand and um, expertly made by Steven Soderbergh, who yeah. is probably better known for the Oceans films. We mentioned them course, earlier. Yeah. He, he directed those films. Uh, but this is very serious. And it would you say it's do feel free to disagree with me here, but it felt like it was shot like a documentary. 
but it wasn't a documentary it was clearly a drama it was clearly it was clearly fiction and you saw something of the personal lives of some of the people involved but it had this sort of documentary filmmaking style to it yeah I, I can see that it feels like a very it's, it's that thing where the camera is present in all of the scenes but it's not like a whole characters react to it or anything but it feels like very effort hasn't been made on like cinematic angles or anything it's just giving you the facts and the characters you feel like you're you're, you're watching you're sat yeah, in on a it's, it's a real time. almost like you're eavesdropping on a conversation or yeah. you're, you're watching you've been invited down to the cdc to sort of uh, yeah or somehow you've crept in and they just haven't noticed you're in the room yet so yeah. they're carrying on as if you're not there yeah, exactly um but what a cast as well oh, stacked cast yeah uh start with, we've got matt damon kate winslet jude law jude law's character in this he uh, this is one of i think jude law here plays the smarmiest person ever like in the, you know there's no, you can't really have a bad guy in a film about a, a virus because it's like an unseen thing but jude can't law does you a, though if a jude law proves that maybe you can because he's just an absolute yeah absolute piece of work in this but okay. he's he's also you can't take you have to watch him because he's very entertaining uh Gwyneth Paltrow also making an appearance uh, Kate Winslet Marion Cotillard uh it's it's got it's got Lawrence a Fishburne of course yeah uh it's, it's huge cast and it it pays no respect to how big those people are because mm. some of those are barely in it before they, yeah. they're, they're out again. Just make a little appearance. Yeah, there. in and out. Um, That's part of the joy of it. It feels so real because, you know, these people, these are, they, while you've got these big Hollywood celebrities, they sit in, give you their piece, and then they're gone. Mm. That, now, the when they made this film, they went to an awful lot of trouble to try to get it as scientifically accurate as possible to mm. look at what happens if there is a pandemic, well, I, a global co- contagion. I, stu- I studied a course uh, in in America. On, uh, it was a, it was only a you know semester course, but it was an entire course dealing about the fact how America as a nation deals has reacted to viruses in the past. We looked at smallpox and looked at similar, you know, I think polio and those things. And this film was shown by a professor who worked in the CDC and said this is they actually did a really fantastic job getting it so close. And they said, if another virus comes up, this will be close to, in our, given our current situation, our reaction. And it's, you know, uh, well, talk to the people who watched it during COVID if they felt like it was realistic or not. Yeah. Um, it, it says here that, uh, that, just to talk about the impact of the movie, uh, fears of the COVID-19 virus that began overwhelming the world in March 2020 have prompted movie fans to re-examine this movie. According to Warner Brothers, the film was listed as the 270th... At the it, the film was listed at the 270th position among its catalogue titles at the end of December 2019. Since the beginning of 2020, the film has jumped to number two, <laughs> being bested only by the Harry Potter movies. What a rise! Yeah. Oh, of course, Harry Potter just had to beat it out there. Yeah, but but it was uh, but, but also the film is scary with how accurately it called what was going to happen mm. the, you know there's only a couple of things where perhaps what actually happened with yeah. covid was slightly different for a start in the movie they didn't really politicize it in the way that the world did no, politicize no. it uh, and the other thing was that the, how they rolled out the vaccines because they did it by lottery didn't they yeah, in the movie I, think that, I, I remember distinctly matt damon plays the sort of he, he plays more of an everyman sort of thing and he's got his he's going to the shops and everything's sold out everyone's sort of like trying to no one's really taking care of each other for a while like yeah. it's it's rough uh, Brian Cranston was in it as well. Brian Cranston, of according course. to this, at the height of his Breaking he, Bad fame, he but he, general, was, he? he was barely mentioned in the yeah. movie in in the in he, the promotion about the movie. He turned. He, I think he's there for about two scenes in total. Yeah. He the cast includes five Oscar winners and five Oscar nominees, uh, but but yeah, to, to see how they um, depicted how the virus started, how it jumped from an animal to human, how yeah. easy it was, and how they traced it as well, uh, and 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 that was just. 
it was eye-opening mm. to see how simple it was and and you know for all the stuff we were being told hands face space wash hands all of that you can see in the movie that's all it took was somebody shook someone else's hands and yeah. that was it and that, and started the that was thing. another country being infected then because then that person jumped on a plane and flew somewhere else and you, you just think wow it spread so yeah. darn quickly and and I can only think that before the end of 2019, perhaps one could have watched it and just thought, well, that's a bit far what, what a load of nonsense. Yeah. How did that ever happen? And now yeah. it's more of a, oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, what a, what a film. But, but one that I remember at the beginning of lockdown, hearing the news about this movie that I had not come across before and how popular it was proving to be yeah. on, on, on streaming platforms. I um I thought yeah but that sounds so bleak I don't want to see a film about the end of the world and and somebody said no it's not yeah. because there's a there's a an outcome that is not bleak yeah. and and indeed there was so, so when I did finally it's a, watch it's a realistic it, approach gave me a slight it? hope that maybe we'll get through the covid yeah. Uh, and well, we kind of have, I, I think. Us. Sat across from each other. Yeah, for now. <laughs> Compared to last time. <laughs> we still got a winter to go, yeah, haven't we? <laughs> let's, let's count our chickens. Watch that. Yeah, so. so well, then, we've seen a best case scenario. Maybe we can see about our next film, which is going to be a bit of a worst Oh, yeah, case the other scenario. end. My <laughs> word. So, yeah, Contagion uh, is on Sunday, the 18th of September. Uh, that's on 9 p.m. on Five Star. Let's move to Monday, the 19th of September. Film for 9 p.m. Oh, my word. If that film's not about the end of the world, this one could be. This one could be. World this- War Z. World War Z, this tells the story of uh, uh, Brad Pitt stars as a former UN employee who basically, he's travelling across the country trying to outrun this absolutely crazy zombie pa- zombie horde caused by some sort of viral pandemic. That's not really the focus of the film. It's not about how it started, it's about how people react to it. Um, it is... I mean, this is a this is a real sort of a pulse pounding one. You know, there's always you know in films they talk about there's the three different types of zombie. You've got the 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 slow ones that shuffle about, and then you've got the more sort of like the realistic ones. Then you've got the um, what are they called? The twenty eight days later zombies who just run this. Oh, the running zombies. Yeah. Well, this one just turns that up to the next degree. They're all they're building human pyramids. They're throwing each other around. Like this film is. It's crazy to watch. It's a very it is uh, it's the end of the world, and it makes no makes no bones about it. Okay, uh, the director Mark Foster is yeah. somebody that uh, I'm quite interested by. The, some of the films he's done, he, including uh, Monsters Ball uh, with Halle Berry, which uh, which d- oh. did phenomenally well. I think it's what she won the Oscar for. Uh, Finding Neverland, the story uh, with was it Johnny Depp playing the author of Peter Pan? Is it J M Barry? Have to check that one. Okay, uh, Nothing, not to do with uh, Michael Jackson then. Uh, no, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, which was um, Will Farrell and Emma Thompson, and was it Will, um, Emma Thompson was an author who wrote, who's going to kill off her character, but Will Farrell realizes he is the character, and and in fact he's not real, oh. and and it's it's got this re- it's a quite a weird fantasy sort of I movie. See Christopher Robin directed by him as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the more recent one with you, McGregor. Yes, yeah, no, quite, and and um, and yeah, he's uh, he, he's done, and also the Bond film, uh, he did um, Quantum of Solace. Ah, everyone's favorite Bond film. <laughs> Max, your sarcasm is sometimes lost on the listener. You need to, you need to make it clearer that you don't mean that because people will think, oh, he's a fan of that one. Uh, okay, I'm not a big fan of Quantum of Solace. It's got good parts, but yeah, it's uh, but I think I think this is a, a, be- a better for it. I think I'd give this film a better than Quantum of Solace out of ten. That's why I'm recommending it. Okay. No, but it is. A, this is really. It's a sort of world-spanning uh, reaction to the zombie pandemic. It's based on. I want to say it's the book by Max Brooks, which basically was meant to be a, a, the most realistic take on a zombie pandemic it could be, which basically details how each country realistically would react and what would happen to the populace. Uh, this takes bits and pieces from that and maybe sensationalises is it a bit. Yes, it was based yeah. on a novel by Max Brooks. Yeah. I thought it was based on a graphic novel, so it shows what I know. Ah. 
So Max books well done. Or do you just know that you know all the Maxes? I yeah exactly. We all, we've all got a, There's a, a club. We've got a club. Yeah. Sorry, I'd invite you, but you're not called Max. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, uh, you, you wouldn't invite me. We both know that. Uh, sorry, Danny. No. Okay. Whatever. So in any case, uh, that's uh, World War Z, which is uh, on on Monday, the nineteenth of September. Film for nine p.m. We move to Tuesday, the twentieth of September. You've got a Brad Pitt thing going on here, haven't this you? This has become a very Brad Pitt heavy week. That, this is your third Brad Pitt film in a week. Yeah. We've so far mentioned five movies, and Brad Pitt stars in three of them. <laughs> Although I saw him interviewed recently, and he was asked who was his favourite sidekick in a movie, and he mentioned somebody. And then the was it me? Uh, yeah, because you started with a lot of films with Brad Pitt, haven't oh, you? Could have been. And then, not. and then whoever was with him whilst he was being interviewed, two of them were being interviewed by somebody for, mm. for Would that I be think Bullet for, Train for Bullet yeah. Train. Oh, it was Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, and, and Aaron Brian, Taylor, Brian Tyree Henry. Would it be? No, it was just Aaron Taylor Johnson uh-huh. and Brad Pitt being interviewed. And the interviewer said, "Who's your favourite sidekick?" And Brad Pitt mentioned somebody. And then Aaron Taylor Johnson said, "What about Leonardo DiCaprio?" And he went, "No, nah, man." He goes, "I was his sidekick." <laughs> <laughs> and he was so modest with it. There was just something about it, and, and he, he said, "No, I can't pick Leo because like I was his. He wasn't my sidekick. Yeah. I was his sidekick." He is, yeah. You just think, yeah. Oh, I think you know, Leo kills. I mean, Leo and Brad Pitt are both both amazing in this, and Margot Robbie does a really good job in this one as well. But um, they're just it's it's exactly what you expect. It's Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. I I can distinctly remember a conversation I had with you after this one where I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of this one. I went in with very high expectations and it was very I felt like it had to, you had to have a lot of Hollywood homework to really sort of enjoy it but I can This is a film fan's film Yeah Without a doubt If you're not a film fan you might think you're this is a bit long like you do, might yeah. feel it's a little bit overindulgent yeah. it's a little bit too long you know mm-hmm. it's a bit meh but if you know anything about your history of film you'll love it because yeah. of the number of references to Hollywood legends and I don't mean characters I mean stories of Hollywood Yeah um, you know stories about about Bruce Lee and did he get into a fight with a stuntman once and you know le- there's legends about how he used to always get challenged to fights yeah. on film sets well there's a scene that covers that and and a lot of the footage where he's making a movie and and you see him in a role it was for real that actually happened but it but wasn't it, it that changed ha- out Leo yeah it was someone else and and that's that happens quite frequently it, sound, it sounds like one of those cheesy things to say it's a love letter to 60s and 70s Hollywood but it is isn't it like, yeah, it's, 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 it feels and I will give it huge credit for how incredible how it, it doesn't look like a set either it looks like you they've just dropped a camera in Hollywood you know however many years ago 50 years ago and they've just let it roll like the set design is incredible. But the backdrop of this, and I don't think this is any spoiler to say this because I believe this was in a lot of the promotional stuff, yeah. that um, Margot Robbie is playing a real-life character, yes. whereas uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are not. Sure, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, she's playing a real-life character. She plays the the actress uh, Sharon Tate, mm. who people will know was 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 one of the victims of, of Charles Manson's yeah. family. And um, so... People know that that is the backdrop to this film. Yeah. And if you know what happened and if you know something of that story and you know about this, then you will appreciate this film all the more. I think that this was the only part of the Hollywood backdrop I did know when I went in, not any other stuff. Well, so I didn't know all of the story because Mm. there was a character that is loosely based on something Brad Pitt did in the movie when he goes to the farm to find his old actor friend. Yes, yeah. Um, that, That actually happened, but it went in a different way. And and that's part of the thing of this movie is that mm. it is, I think there's a name for it, and this may not be the name for it, but something like, is it... Power revi- historical? Revisionist history? Yeah. 
where basically like like some things have, there was was it the man in the high castle recently that was set yes. in a world where yeah. what if it's a Philip K. Dick novel yeah yeah but what if Germany won World War Two yeah. and it was set in an alternative future so it was actually set in the past but it was an alternative past alternative, yeah. which might have changed because of that and this is something similar because yeah. because some of history they changed it so it's what if and it happened a different way. Isn't there a sort of a theory that maybe Leonardo DiCaprio is meant to sort of be like Clint Eastwood as well, in that he stars in these films and then goes to... Well, there's, there's elements... There's a spaghetti Western work in there, isn't there? There's an element of that, where he, he was a TV star, he could not make it as a film star in Hollywood, and then he has to go over to Italy, which is which is Clint Eastwood's story. Yeah, yeah. But then also, there's another bit where he's basically Burt Reynolds. And in fact, the, the TV show that he was filming, it was Burt Reynolds that they yeah. digitally removed and put Leonardo DiCaprio in. Well, Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood's best of friends as well, so you could, you know... <laughs> Be yeah. Both of those two. So, so yeah. So he was a fictional character, but but what happened to him throughout the movie was based on two or three different people at different points in the movie. Uh, but also some great other actors in there. You had, as you mentioned there, um, Margot Robbie, who who who's I could I could I'm watch sure her paint a wall. <laughs> I'm sure I remember hearing something originally about how Margot Robbie was meant to have less scenes in this, and but they like they like they enjoyed the scenes of you know her running around the Sharon Tate so much that they added more into the film because it it does feels sort of like her narrative runs yeah. parallel to everything else that's going on. Well, because yeah, in a way, her her story is the centerpiece of the whole movie, but but she's got such a small part, you know, that, yeah. but it's it's her that's the thread that runs through it all. Mm. Um, Damien Lewis is in there briefly as Steve McQueen. Uh, that's, that's you know, he's, he's particularly good there. Um, you've got Al Pacino in he's there a director, in, in a small role. He, he's a studio owner, an executive. Uh, Al Pacino, yes, yes, something like that, yeah, and 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 it's you know that there's uh, you've got um, Bruce Dern, yeah, yeah, Bruce Dern in a part that was going to be Burt Reynolds, but he sadly passed away, yes, and so yeah. Bruce Dern was there instead, and uh, also you, you have um, actors playing Roman Polanski, yeah. who was Sharon Tate's boyfriend at the time, uh, and you have another actor playing Sam Wanamaker, who was quite a famous director at the time mm. as well, uh, and and I think for. I'm not the biggest of fans of Quentin Tarantino. Really? But I think, and I think part of his problem is he's a bit too self-indulgent. That was... And no one ever reigns him in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I felt in this film, he kind of reigned himself in a little bit. Huh. I don't think he went too far with this movie. That's fair enough. But, uh, and in fact, I want to see more of these characters. Well, the, I'd love I, to see I more of these it, characters. I think it is such a shame. I do, the characters in this film are just fantastic and it's a shame to have to leave them, isn't it? But, you I know... Mean, there, there's a segment in the middle which is all about uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character dealing with, like, a day on a film set. And that's just just brilliant. And there's bits where, like, he can't remember his lines and he's yeah. getting all frustrated and, 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 and apparently part of that was actually that he did forget his lines in that scene and he sort of says, oh, can I go again? But but they kept it, it in because they thought, well, actually, that was fitting of his character and, <laughs> yeah. Um, Timothy Oliphant was in there yeah. and he, he played a character who most people in this country wouldn't ever know but he was, a, he was a TV star at the time, the character he played and he got into a tragic motorbike accident and lost an arm and a leg. I think really? it was. Yeah, he lost a couple of limbs. And he ends the scene that he's in, with, which is when he goes to make this TV episode and he can't get his lines right and he's talking to the little girl. That, that was oh, the bit yes, of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, the actor that he's playing with is Timothy Oliphant, oh, who's the star of that TV programme. The TV yeah. programme was real and, and the actor that Timothy Oliphant was playing was a real character. Huh. And he rode off on his motorbike and it was a motorbike crash leaving the set one day, which, which um, disabled him in such a way. 
Well, uh, we should just be releasing an audio track people can watch simultaneously with the film now at this point. We can just get, drop in these facts so people understand and appreciate yeah. that. It seems like every little scene of this film has just meticulously planned, isn't it? And there's references to the tragedy surrounding uh, Natalie Wood, who was yeah. this great young actress who, who died in very mysterious circumstances. And that was alluded to by the fact that um, Brad Pitt's wife mysteriously died in, in oh, yes. you know, and how that was done. It was, uh, yeah, you know, lots of these stories and legends of Hollywood and, and Tarantino worked them all into this story. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, great movie, 9pm, film four, Tuesday the 20th of September. Next film, Max, hasn't seemingly got Brad Pitt in it. I know, I've actually gone for a bit of a change, but I have, because I'm very comfortable with certain actors reappearing. So Sean Connery does make a reappearance. Ah, okay. In so let's Indiana say Jones. 21st of September, Wednesday the 21st, film for no time listed. I will look that up while you tell us about your choice. Perfect. The film uh, to, to keep an eye on for on this Wednesday is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, playing on film four. Uh, this is the third in the Indiana Jones series. It was the final for a while until uh, some of the more recent entries. We are due a new one later this year, next year? Uh, it's out next year, I believe. Next year. I'm oh, very okay. excited about that. Well, this one's just brilliant. So it's 1938 uh, and... Indy has no choice but to make his way over to Europe to chase down his father, Professor Henry Jones, who claims to have found evidence of the Holy Grail, the greatest possible relic anyone could go and look for, uh, his father being none other than the Sean Connery. Uh, this is just a fun ride, to be honest. Like this is, I mean, for the longest time, this was always the second best Indiana Jones film. But I think if you go back, what I really like about it is the ensemble cast of bringing back all of these characters who you really love, but then adding Sean Connery and... I mean, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford's back and forth in this as a father and son. That the bickering constantly is just. It, you feel like you've got these films where Indy's very well, not cool and collected, but dealing with these people. So then have the the person he's dealing with be his own father, and you sort of see where they come from. And he sort of the one person I think who was able to undermine Indy's sw- uh, yeah. like suaveness yeah. is his own dad. It, it, it and it's perfect casting, yeah. absolutely perfect casting. Even though. It makes no sense. They're not, they're, there's not a big enough age gap between them for them to be father and son because uh, Harrison Ford was only about 10 or 11 years younger yeah. than, uh, than Sean Connery. But it didn't matter. It worked. You just yeah. completely believed they were father and son. It's because they put the bucket hat and the spectacles on Sean Connery and he just looks that bit Yeah, old, yeah, get, dressed him in tweed. And yeah, yeah, yeah th- that's it. I mean, he, it, but, and also I think because Harrison Ford kind of appeared more youthful mm. than, than his years. It's, it's the magic of the indie, the indie leather jacket just makes yeah. you look yeah, <laughs> de-ages yeah. you by about 20 years yeah no it's great I mean the, the, one of the standout scenes for me which just completely personifies the relationship that the two of them enjoyed on screen was when you first when they first meet on screen uh, you know Indiana Jones has tracked him, his father down to this castle yeah. German castle where he's being held captive and he, he breaks into the room next door to the room where his father's being held captive. He climbs out the window, uses his famous whip, swings through the window, smashes into his father's room, who then smashes a, a, a priceless vase over his head. And he says, Dad, what do you do that for? And he goes, I thought you were one of the Germans. He goes, they come in through the door, Dad. <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah. And, he goes, and then he says, oh, what a tragedy. And he goes, no, Dad, don't worry, I'll be all right. And he went, oh, no, it's okay. It was a fake vase. <laughs> 
Anyway, wonderful film and great supporting characters as well. Brilliant. John John Reese Davis and Denham Elliott were great yeah. there. Alison Doody as as the sort of the femme fatale. Yes. Uh, and 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 Julian Glover, uh, more recently seen in Game of Thrones, but but you know he was mm. great in this. It just everything about it and it the sumptuous locations and set yeah. pieces and even, even it starts off with a bang you've got river phoenix playing young indie at the very start as well yeah tries to explain lots of which in turn spawned a tv series a very successful tv series the young indiana jones chronicle sadly not with um mm. river phoenix river because phoenix, he passed yeah. away but um they, they, they then went on to tell more tales of of a young indiana mm. jones because of that wonderful opening sequence yeah yeah, where, where he, he's on the um, he's on a trail, isn't he, with with his scout troop, and you know it's just just wonderful, wonderful piece of storytelling from beginning to end, a, a magical five star experience if ever there were one. Definitely, what what a wonderful, wonderful film, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, arguably one of the best of those movies. The the only one that could possibly better it would be the first one. Exactly. Until uh, we see the new one that comes out, you know, we, we could always check. Well, it's me- the new one not being made by Spielberg, but being made by James Mangold. And and if he does to Indiana Jones what he did to um, uh, Wolverine, yeah. th- we're in for a treat. For because a treat. that final Wolverine film he did, Logan, was wonderful. What a send-off, yeah. yeah. If this is the way, you know, if we have to send off Indy this way, then it's going to be that way. Yeah. And of course, Harrison, Harrison Ford always brings his, his all to play Indy as well. He loves playing Indiana Jones. Yeah. Apparently, um, there's been a lot of, lot of rumours about um, uh, Chris Pratt being somebody who might be considered to, if they were to reboot Indiana Jones that might might do it and apparently they were both at some event or other and, and Harrison Ford walked over and basically told him to keep his hands off there's only one Indiana Jones mate and it's me <laughs> so I suspect that Harrison Ford wants it that, that when he dies it dies with him and with him. no one else takes it on and don't ruin the the, the, the thing but anyway respect for it yeah Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade a wonderful five star movie that's playing at Film 4 at 9pm on Wednesday the 21st of September okay final film for the week uh, not with Brad Pitt or Sean Connery no well I never had to change it up yeah uh, Thursday the 22nd of September BBC 4 10.40pm Blazing, Blazing Saddles, Saddles. Oh, Blazing Saddles uh, Mel Brooks classic comedy all about uh, cowboys, cowboys in the West. You know, every single you know, one of these Mel Brooks, you've got Young Frankenstein, you've got uh, Spaceballs. They always try and spoof an entire genre, and this is, I think, well renowned for spoofing the Western genre. Like most people who've watched a cowboy film have also seen Blazing Saddles as well. Tells the story of a politician played by none other than Brooks, who decides that uh, he wants to appoint a black sheriff to basically try and uh, undermine this town and you know make it all seem a bit silly. Uh, the sheriff's choice is to pretty much become his most formidable adversary by using this very sort of sly smooth he's, it's almost like he's got um his wit feels very sort of a uh, roadrunner-ish in terms of this like you know you go for this whole sort of uh trying to prank and the prank and you know use the use the scene and jokes to like sort of um make these jokes and undermine him as a bad guy really really witted on there for a moment but i really just want to tell you that this has just got some fantastic jokes in this you've got uh cleveland little playing bart the sheriff himself gene wilder in this one is really fantastic as sort of a jim this sort of dopey inmate who gets roped into helping the sheriff along yeah and 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 you know again it's mel brooks uh, he he's he knows how to spoof a genre mm. and and also he tends to have some of these same actors as well in a lot of his um, movies he's you know worked with gene wilder before madeline khan he's worked with before as well yeah. and 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 there's some there's some great people in some some very funny moments in there oh this is yeah really fantastic it's um it's one of those uh comedies that's really unrelenting there is there is a joker 
not a joke a minute, a joke every 30 seconds. And it just, um, by the time you get to the third act, everything escalates. You know, you've got, from what I remember, you've got the whole like bandstands getting knocked over. You've got like entire horses like running around, like doing mayhem, dancers being knocked over or pillars. Like it is just, the film just escalates at this amazing and hilarious pace. And I think Mel Brooks has this very unique type of comedy that just, it's also very meta as well. Mm. Yes, very, it's very, very self-aware, aware, self aware, it is. isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah that's, uh, that's the, 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 the great movie there, uh, which is uh, Blazing Saddles, rounding off uh, Max's choice of films for the week on free-to-air TV. That one being on uh, BBC4, 10.40pm on uh, Thursday, the 22nd of September. Max, if you had to choose one of those movies to be your film of the week, which one would it be? This is going to be a really difficult take, but I am going to go for Snatch. Okay, I'm gonna go for, I know I'm going to go for, for the underdog, the one I didn't expect. But uh, personally, I just think if you are the sort of person who's going to enjoy a Guy Ritchie film and you haven't seen this one, or if you have already seen this one, you need to watch it because it's just just snappy the whole way through. I mean, it will just the time will fly by watching this one. You'll love every minute of it. Great stuff, Max. Thank you very much. Max will be back around about the same time next month, next week on the St Albans Film Guide. It will be the turn of producer Sam. Uh, we hope you can join us for that.